Like I'll I'll be I'll I'll laugh if we if we, if we, if we slay Lamont, and then because she was like the beacon or like the catalyst for the blood magic, we uh, released more blood magic into the region because we killed her. And oh, you like hope being, for this? You just wish for this, just so you could be like, I yeah. told you they were good and they're misunderstood. Needed yeah, them all I, along. I, damn right. Damn right. <laughs> This is going to be like, now, let this serve as a case in point for my whole narrative around the Ancients and the Others. Okay, thanks. A kinder and gentler Dark Overlord. Welcome to Ashes Pathfinders, your dedicated and trusted Ashes of Creation podcast. Join us as we share in the journey that reignites the embers and rekindles the flames in the hearts of those long left to cinder. I am your host, Simorg. I'm joined today by our returning Pathfinders. Let's welcome back your Ashen Herald, Daedalus. Hello, everyone. Also, welcome back everybody's favorite cult leader, Armitzel. Greetings. Friends, oh, this is going to be a lit one. But before we dig in on today's podcast, uh, got to give a shout out to the home of it, which is over at asheshq.com. Community curated website for all things Ashes of Creation. Also a shout out to all of the Imperial Flames, which are the supporters here on Twitch and YouTube. Thank you so much for keeping this community's flames bolstering greater week after week, everybody. Um, speaking of the show, if you want to do us a solid, you don't have to do it on iTunes anymore. You can do it over on the other places like uh, Spotify. Go on over there, give us five stars, leave a comment. You can do it on iTunes too, but do it. Help us to... Uh, growing the algorithm wherever this podcast is located and it would be greatly appreciated and we'll read that comment here live on the show if you choose to do so um i understand if we get to a certain point with enough of those reviews something might happen so if you like presents and gifts and things like that maybe you uh, would be inclined to do so that way also knights of the phoenix we are recruiting community-based guild but we will be in ashes of creation so if you're looking for a good group of people with good times and good vibes uh hit me up slide to the dms over on discord.gg forward slash samorg where this community and the podcast and all the things that you see around this place are located okay gentlemen how the hell you been doing since last time we are gonna have a hell of a talk around carfin today but let's catch up a bit shall we uh not much going on on my end really just um i i i I've been told it's not a true 100% yet, but I did 100% um, all the challenges in uh, Hogwarts Legacy. So oh I did my, my kind of, I would say, completed, pretty much completed my first playthrough. So I'm going to be yeah. doing another one, doing some Gryffindor, did my Ravenclaw first. So I'm looking forward to that. But uh, yeah. other than that, just going to, got some work stuff and things coming up, be traveling a bit. But uh, nice. other than that, um, it's all good. Oh, yeah, what about you, Armored Cell? Uh, I also bought Hogwarts for my wife because she's Ooh. really big on Harry Potter. So nice. there's a few things she's stuck. She's not like a huge gamer, but she's a really big bookworm. But she was stuck on a few things, so I had to help her with that. Nice. So it's actually pretty challenging in some parts, I, I think. Um, yeah. But um, apart from that, I've been diving into Rust because once again, it's a brand new month. Oh, nice. And now we've got like nice. 14 people, and the, mm. the best UI for our team's like 12. So we constantly like keep people out, Tasty. bring people back in. Nice. We got raided day one, then we built up again. Like, Man. we're thriving. Dude, I, 
I have not put nearly the time into Hogwarts Legacy that I, I want. You said she was a big uh, book, you know, buff. Like, did you feel like she feels like it feels very authentic to that? Um, yeah, but at the same time, her computer's not that great. So, oh, true. Um, so, so the, I looked at the graphic settings. Um, some of the characters look like, um, you know, Hannibal Lecter. Have you seen like one of the guys that got half his face even sort of thing? Oh, not so there yet. Yeah. Jeez, what? <laughs> no, no, so, so, no, no, no. It's not spoilers. Oh, okay, spoilers. cool. Okay. Um, so the graphic settings are so low that their faces look like they're all like meshed up, like sort of like burn victims almost. Like it's, it's oh, really bad. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh boy. That game's, so, yeah. The game's so looking loving, good. Yeah. But no, lore-wise, she's enjoying it. She's um, nice. delivering, of, of course. So she likes Draco. Yeah. <laughs> she is he a Slytherin fan? Mm-hmm. Really? Oh no, dude. Yep. Nice. Yes. Man, I gotta tell you, dude, I haven't put the kind of time I wanted to put in there because I've been obviously I've talked about it enough. I've been busy writing. And uh it's it's pretty exciting for me. I put a lot of time in last week. Um I am I'm literally on the cusp. I think there's a good chance by the I think a week from today, uh the initial manuscript for my first book is gonna be done. So that's pretty crazy. Um, it's yeah, it's been like I'm just like doing nothing but that, and I've been wanting to play every time I get to jump into Hogwarts. So it feels like a, it feels like a really nice respite from from what I've been doing. Um, and uh, I mean, obviously, we've been doing some podcasting uh, with the LFM podcast and uh, Daedalus, and I did one last week. I think it'll be our last one for a little bit. He's got stuff going on. I've got stuff going on. Definitely go check it out. Um, it's on all the podcast places as well. Looking for more, you'll get the deets in our Discord as well. But um, we had a really nice chat about Hogwarts. Um, so if you want to kind of hear the greater topic around that and some other things geeking, you can check it out. We had a good talk about that. And I'm like looking forward to playing it. I feel like Hogwarts is going to be like my reward for getting done with it all. And I'm, you know, going to be on the other side of that soon. I, yeah. Um, it's, it's a good game. I think it's pretty reflective of the, the world mm. of, um, JK Rowling and, um, you know, it's a great game. If you're really a Lorna, I think so far based on what I've seen and, uh, it, lore is a big topic of today's show specifically when we're going to get back on the ashes topic here um as promised to today's episode called secrets of carfin um i have a feeling that you're going to see us revisiting the discussion on carfin and we've got a pretty big discussion around that today and there's nothing really off the table so if you all are actually interested in uh chiming in on this this is going to be a very fluid conversation today i've got plenty of reference points i want to hit on we're going to have the Carfin um, uh, uh, the showcase video teaser that they put together kind of replaying here. And I'll probably stop it at certain points. And to lead into the topic of discussion around uh, lore, we've got an actual dev discussion. That's the perfect lead-in topic. Okay. And I said there were a couple things, right? One today is a broad, just, just we're going to dig into looking at the video, seeing what people talked about. We've got something Mr. Box shared. Um, we've got different points that I think are going to be important from the video to reference. We've got story points to reference uh, as they relate to the D&D live stream they did last November in which they shared four or five sections worth of information around Carfin. And they also showed Lady Hilaria Lamont, I think is her name, something like that. Um, they showed off in 
their last dev stream, which is now going to be, uh, I guess you could say protagonist turned antagonist is basically the deal. Like good guy turned bad guy. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about her. Um, and I, I just want to reference, I want to talk in detail about this, this whole thing around blood magic, curse, etc. Keep in mind, they also showed people creeping towards, um, Carfin in a video not too long ago and in that it was a cleric video i think and in that video remember they showed off that really weird undead sort of big behemoth looking creature or whatever golem looking creature whatever it was we're going to reference that today it's important to note there's like the thing you mentioned about the the so everything related to the spell itself i almost feel like we might make that a whole damn episode next week because with what's been shared around that uh, ritual sacrifice blood magic and everything that's kind of catalyzed as a result of that. I, I almost feel like this makes, cause remember once upon a time we talked about blood magic in the game, would we ever see it? And now I've got like three different like trains of thought around that prospect, if you will. And I feel like that could be a really fun discussion for, uh, you know, both player augmentation, uh, NPC sort of like, um, cults, for example, and the types of magic they might actually have that could be unique and different from what maybe we have. Cause I feel like that would be legit. So keep that in mind, tuck that away. There's a good chance that we go part one, part two, talking about car from between now and next week. But with that being said, why don't we go on ahead and take a look at the dev discussion? And in this dev discussion, which is dev discussion number 49, they're talking about lore characters. And the dev discussion sort of cites this point and question. What do you want to see out of important characters in the lore? How do you like interacting with them? And where do you want to see yourself in the story? Okay. And even in this visual image, there's Lady Laurie Lamont or whatever right there with her red beady eyes now going all dark side. So two questions. Important characters and lore. How do you want to see yourself in the story, gentlemen? And everyone here in chat, obviously, too. Oh, I'll kick it off and say I don't want them just to be quest givers. Um, I think that's probably like something we're used to in other games. Um, you know, definitely, I feel like, you know, there should be perhaps like some quests that you do and maybe gain favor or loyalty with them. I would like to see them like be present and maybe like story cut scenes or something like that, where you get to kind of understand like there are like in be able to kind of look at and in libraries or whatever, just like kind of like almost like Elder Scrolls style where you like find little bits and pieces that you can like put together the lore, um, have it be just part of breadcrumbs. So I really just want to feel like they're living, breathing characters versus window dressings. Um, that would be kind of one I would say too. And, and as far as like interaction, I know we've talked about this concept, maybe in LFM, maybe here too, a little bit around... I don't want my character to be like the savior of the story, mm. like how they've had it in other MMOs, because then it's like it kind of cheapens it a bit. So I kind of want to be like a soldier in the army or like another like, you know, follower, you know, et cetera. But I don't necessarily want to be like the, you know, a noble hero or something like that. I think that's 
from my perspective that would that would pull me out yeah i would rather it be kind of more along the lines of us interacting with them in a more real way and it could be like we're getting information from them as part of a quest they're not necessarily just mm. quest givers we might kind of work with them and gain some sort of faction as well and that might be like a gateway to augmentation too um so yeah there's just a lot of things there that i would i would feel like it would be great to kind of have that um ability to kind of get more about them by nature of just playing the game um through exploration through interaction uh, than anything so that's kind of how i would look at it i'd almost approach it like a open world rpg in a way more than an mmo because i feel like even just looking at the ui stuff last week it feels like that's like the feel they're going for even with the quest you've got multiple responses you can give in dialogues so it's really more about that kind of interaction which you generally haven't gotten in a lot of mmos it's more been about like okay accept quest move on right so uh yeah it'd be interesting to see yeah so with law characters in general so whether they're good bad or ugly right the point is <clears throat> i want to make sure that they're not just like i'm good because i'm good or i'm bad because i'm bad i'd like to see like maybe some like some we'd be able to learn more about these characters through books or like through artifacts or something, or even like through dialogue, depending like, let's say I'm not just a normal follower like you, I might be the mayor of a town and that might, they might recognize me as a mayor and they might give me a bit more dialogue. Like what if you have like certain achievements or something, they recognize those achievements. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I like that. So like, if you're like a slayer of their enemy, or if you're a uh, helper of their allies, they're like, hey, I actually recognize that you've done this for my for my people. Um, here's some extra information. Like you saw in the quest um, in the last live stream, there's optional tidbits part of the quest that wasn't uh, important, like, sorry, not important, um, not uh, a prerequisite of the quest. But if you did it, it would give you additional info or items yeah. or something, right? So I hope they really go in depth to make me feel like I know the character and I like the character. So like, like if you just saw, saw Darth Vader and says he's a big bad dude, right? But yeah. if you if you know about Anakin and his rise to rise and fallen to Darth Vader, you start to feel a bit more attached to that character, right? So that that's like the same thing about this um uh character here with the blood magic. Like she's gone from protagonist to antagonist, right? So maybe she could be an anti-hero or she might be an antagonist for a good reason. We just don't know that yet. Mm. So I'm, I'm <laughs> okay. well, Look, there it is, Armored Cell. There, <laughs> there it is. Same kind of nonsense. You're always pulling with the ancients and the others. Look, they're just misunderstood. Maybe there's a reason that they're dark side. Maybe, maybe, maybe we need what, them. What, what if she's like, Absorbing a lot of magic and the magic just overflowing out. a good her. purpose, a good kind of bad, the light yeah. side of darkness, if you will. Like I'll, I'll be, I'll, <laughs> I'll laugh at least if, if, if we slay Lamont, and then because she was like the beacon or like the catalyst for the blood magic, we uh, released more blood magic into the region because we killed her. And oh, you like hope being, for this? You just wish for this, just so you could be like, I yeah. told you they were good and they're misunderstood. Needed yeah, them all I, along. I, damn right. Damn right. <laughs> this is gonna be it, like now. Let this serve as a case in point for my whole narrative around the ancients and the others. Okay, thanks. 
a kind and gentler dark overlord <laughs> this is a good yeah. this is a good frame of reference if we don't have a clip on something like this already we need this because this is the evidence to support uh, like armored cell and his ambition to liberate people's minds around this concrete notion of good and bad light and dark and it's much more fluid. I think, mean, like, is what he's going for here. Like, is it by proxy art you enabling this behavior? I'm just wondering because you're kind of like pointing it out that that's, it's like no, it's it's validated mm, by you I don't, saying it. So. I I'm, I don't really see where you're drawing that conclusion. I feel like that's just a false narrative being painted against me right now on the live stream. So I think it's completely we reached out some sort of agreement. The more live streams I do with you guys, the more, <laughs> the more, the more um the more innocent I'm allowed to kill and get away with. <laughs> I've got like a tally on the board. This is bullshit. This conversation never happened. I never agreed to any of this. This is just being made up on the spot. Okay. Um, see, if now... the hood fits, man. If the hood fits. Like, I want to... Sh- I, I don't... Uh, listen, all right? Uh, the, the, I want to say I agree with what you're saying on a certain point here, but I feel like the second I say I agree, someone's just going to take that out of context. My yeah. point is, is that look, I, I, I saw this in chat as well. <laughs> we'll, we'll play it, Alfina, by the way, uh, in chat. And this is where you got to be here live. Uh, if you're not here for the live show, you're just missing out on the ridiculousness that happens in chat as well as around this round table or, uh, whatever kind of table you want to call this, I suppose. But the point that I want to make though, is that uh, it's always a bit of a buzzkill to me when you've got a a protagonist that's, that's sort of there with you. And then the storyline plays out and they they kind of are obsolete after that. Um, Mm -hmm. I always think it's really good when you go and you find a book on a shelf and it, mages tower somewhere or you dig up an artifact in a in a long forgotten cave where maybe magi used to be and there's a reference towards an archmage or something like these types of things that give you just like little little crumbs of story from exploration those things i feel like are really important and and more importantly though when you go back to our earliest conversations on this podcast one of my biggest um well, one of the biggest points I've always advocated for is the idea that if each server culture is different and has the potential to evolve and develop uniquely based on parent behavior, then one of the things that I would want to see is that there's the potential that uh, based on my role as like a mayor, for example, right? Like Armored Cell said, or maybe I'm the the top uh, person in a religious order, or perhaps my archetype specifically sent me along uh, on a quest chain and something uniquely happened as a result of the way the world was working. And these things tie into those protagonists and allow for a, a different understanding of not only like maybe the relationship that I as a player in my role, et cetera, uniquely have with this protagonist, but also um, as a result of the way the world's evolving. Uh, This is one of the things I thought that nodes always had to offer Um, uh, just overall the narrative from one server to the next, but also the, the, you know, general canon narrative that exists for Ashes of Creation. This is one of the things that 
could potentially offer something really unique for lore and story progression um, that really could uh, allow that to each server to evolve uniquely different, like same but different, that alternate reality yeah. perspective. Um, and also with what my place in this story, I, I agree, right? I don't want to be the chosen one and they don't want us to be the chosen ones either. One thing that I thought, and I'm going to use Hogwarts legacy as a really great example, even though it's just an RPG, um, is that they, they sort of have this ancient magic element, right? So you're not like the chosen one, the destined, the only you, you just are someone who has a unique sort of like attunement to something that others have also had it. You're rare, but you're not the only, the, the true, the, you know what I mean? And, and to me, that's a really important uh, element to like identify because taking that idea and going, look, you're important and you're unique, but you're not all that you're just, this does set you apart right from these other people that came along right and that doesn't uh, nullify these other people who came through the portals right it just really kind of has something to do with you and to me that's important because these are the ways in which i think storytelling in mmorpgs have just kind of really gotten another one of the same for so long they they go with the same route you are the hero the champion the chosen one and uh, spoilers <laughs> everyone else that's an, uh, a player character also is and you're kind of like that doesn't doesn't kind of work for me because they're no. telling me that the NPCs talking to each of us and telling us we're all the chosen one but yeah we're all in here together doing this raid and you yeah. you need all of us but only I no only he oh only she it doesn't really work for me from a narrative standpoint and and I just think that's one of the other reasons don't do that to the character, like make it. So it makes sense that we're all in a raid together and we can be unique, but we don't have to be like that unique. Cause it doesn't really work either. I don't know. I'm probably ranting on something. That I think Daedalus also is uh, probably one. Yeah. Chime I was in. actually, honestly, what was playing over and over in my head was Obi-Wan screaming, but, but you were the chosen one. And then the other, somebody else is like, no, you, no, you, no, you. Yeah. It's like, everybody's the chosen one. It's like Oprah chosen one time here. Right. Uh, but one thing I, I wanted to say about this lore discussion that I think is like an NPC's involvement into like one thing I think would be really cool mm. and would, would augment the like whole server narrative piece is depending on like how many people do like certain quests that maybe interact with lore characters at some point that turns into an event and then Ooh. whatever like group of players is going with one npc versus another whatever the outcome of that battle would be again changes the like changes the server lore forever right so again i don't know how difficult that would be to implement i know they've already got like at least their their plans were to have like a branching storyline that would depending on what conditions were on the server would change what dungeons are available what world bosses are available and what quests are available but i think it'd be really cool to kind of have the lore mm. characters be a part of that not Absolutely. necessarily just like you know raid bosses but like the actual npcs that you're either teaming up with or teaming up against uh as well um yeah and i think you know what arthur said here to give give the player a chance to learn about the history by giving the player a chance to experience the past. That was the other thing that I was thinking of like earlier too, 
is one of the things I really liked about Hogwarts Legacy is you you learn the story through seeing flashbacks from the past and that like and you got you didn't get everything all at once. You just kind of got a bit by bit and you started to pull put the story together. I kind of feel like that's a great device. And that could be, you know, in finding breadcrumbs, in seeing like, you know, scenes between lore characters or something. I think that's a good way um to lay a, the groundwork. I wouldn't say like spoon feed, but it's almost like laying the groundwork so you can start as a player connecting the dots. And then ultimately that you know, that escalates into something bigger mm-hmm. that maybe becomes server wide or at least locally, you know, why like within your like node zone of influence as well. Yeah. That other people could like know about, hey, this event's occurring in, you know, node XYZ or something yeah. like that. I do I do want to point out like mm-hmm. with with this whole Carthen thing, I do think like mages should have um a main role in this like the mage mage archetype absolutely like for exploration because i feel like if it's a university of magic right there would be hidden passageways fought with magic and i feel like that would be the most absolutely uh, most useful in that i hope they have like some secret passageways only activated through magic oh, yeah, like yeah. if you're like a mage or mage mage archetype um i'm hoping they do something along that line but once again with the i'm not the only one i'm not the chosen one sort of thing like i completely agree but at the same time if I've got achievements or I've got something that's relevant to this NPC, I hope they uh, right. respect and sort of uh, bring this up. Like, hey, I see you got this item or I see you got mm-hmm. this cloak, this spell, this this uh, title. Yep. Like, I hope they say, hey, I, I know you're not the chosen one, but I see you've got some sort of achievement behind you and I respect that and here's some extra dialogue. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, so, like, if you go into a raid with five other people, and then, like, you've each got, like, different dialogue because you've got different achievements. Like, oh, they said this to me. Oh, wait, no. What? I didn't know that. Oh, God. That changes everything. <clears throat> so I'm hope- I'm really hoping they respect that sort of achievement. I'm not sure how hard that would be to implement. Right. But at the same time, they do have optional quest markers on the quests. So I'm hoping that they're going down that route already. Yeah, definitely agree with that. And I, I love the idea of like certain titles and things like I, yeah, th- those things I think are just really important. Like let the title mean more than just the thing next to your name. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We, did you have some other ideas, Daedalus? Um, well, the only problem I have with the title thing, unless it's like truly unique or only maybe a, like a handful of players can get it, it does tend to cheapen it a bit unless mm-hmm. you do like a kind of a title that's more I'll just say group inclusive. So I don't know. I'm just trying to think of like a as opposed to being like, um, I don't know, we I guess we could do something like, I don't know, Game of Thrones, right? You had somebody was known mm-hmm. as the Kingslayer, right? If you have like ten thousand Kingslayers, like not really gonna mean much. Right. But maybe it's like, you know, maybe it's like, I don't know like it's like they could be part of like i don't know the new light pact or something like that you know it's like anything where it's it's more like group oriented where you can almost have it be like a badge of honor Mm -hmm. but it's a badge of honor you potentially share with others and then other titles that are more unique that like only maybe a handful of people can get on the server you know absolutely the black guard or the red guard or whatever right it's kind of just diving deep into kind of some other lores but but yeah, that's kind of something that I would only say that 
yeah that that's the part about titles that i think they do need to be somewhat more unique yeah um if they are kind of more distinctive uh and and if they're you know something that maybe others can achieve maybe there's a way just to make it not seem so like well everybody's got this title right it's not necessarily an achievement at that point yeah. it's just like a it's just like a i guess a, a ribbon that everybody gets for participation right um one thing i was going to say too is i saw arthas and chad had mentioned uh just like hoping that there's a way to experience the past. That's one thing I like that World of Warcraft did for a while there. Uh, they still do probably, I'm sure. But it was basically like you go back and you're playing as like a character like from the past or something like that. Or sometimes even just like a soldier in a army in a certain uh, war or scenario. <clears throat> and you sort of get this experience of that moment. And I think those things are important, too. Um, I think that they can really enrich the story. So it's a little different, but that that's just it's one of the many sort of mechanisms for storytelling and lore, uh, whether you're talking about characters and lore or not, that I think are always really interesting and useful. Um, let's talk about Carfin. I've got the 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 video teaser playing right now, and there's things that I mentioned back when we did the post show that day that I want to bring up. Um, but let's read, I'm going to read you a topic here or not topic, but a blurb, if you will, uh, from Steven about Carfin. He stated the story behind the tower of Carfin is that it actually was a part of the university complex that was initially brought to the Ala humans by the Pyrian elves. And they helped to establish and taught the humans how to master the essence and how to master magic. This was one of the great universities of the alien empire. So a lot of experience and encounters there are going to be arcane in nature. They're going to be representative of that essence magic, and it's going to have some powerful foes. Okay. Now, we're going to link some things for y'all that are here, too. Right? The wreckage of Carfin. This is just one of the links to, you know, talking about Carfin. There's a whole blurb there. Keep in mind, so that means that the tower itself is, uh, I remember in chat we had talked about this, of potentially elven design there's gothic features to the architecture surrounding it there's also up above the doorway some sort of image that represents something and that's something we can check out right now loria lamont was the headmistress of the carfin university she was one of the most important mages in the alien empire at the time of the fall and essentially she heated advice from an unknown origin she engaged in desperate and dark acts in a fruitless attempt to save the Aelin capital city of Ayla from destruction that was the city that we showed that had a really cool floating islands and all that stuff that were there remember and that's supposed to be in the riverlands makes sense because this is not you know this is in the riverlands as well but remember there was a blood sacrifice of Beric Pulsifer began a ritual that led to the mass killing of the residents of Carfin, turning them into undead. All right. So thoughts on that real quick, because there's a lot to go into. We aren't even we're about to do the breakdown of the video before we trail off on all this. But thoughts, gentlemen, before I do the breakdown topic. That really does sound like a heroic act, doesn't it? 
really <laughs> dive into dark arts to try and save a city. I mean, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't try and save a like do anything you can to wow. save a city? Wow, wow, dude, really? Yeah. Tell me, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. The murder well, of... sounds like a scorched earth approach, which isn't necessarily like it's morally black versus morally gray. But I don't know about I don't know about y'all. I mean, I'm just I'm just you know the Ashen Herald of light here in in the sea of darkness. Wait, so there's no sea of darkness. I'm not a sea of the sea. There's there's a hooded figure on one end of the spectrum, and there's a dark overlord in the center of it all. That's all I got to say. That's, uh, I'm just calling it like I see it. If anything, you're telling me you're the light bringer. So you're the light bringer. He's the dark and ominous side. I'm in the middle, almost like I'm the gray neutral balancing party, trying to like balance light oh, and dark. She so so went from light to gray. So are you going to go from gray to black at some point? I mean, is it seems like it's shifting here. Walking uh, light, walking the gray. I don't know if that works. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, the shade. Shade, there's still light in the shade. I'm just saying, and it comes from the same place. Oh, there's some shade up in here. So <laughs> yes, it's being cast by Daedalus onto me, and it's oh, ridiculous. I, no, I, wow. am, I, am a, I am a being of light here. Um, I'm the herald of light. I mean, I have so the avatar of the total, phoenix behind total, me. Come on. Totally sporting some desecrated carpet in your background, but I mean... Well, I'm just I'm just setting the scene to for everyone to see that I'm the light in the darkness. Or placing yourself at the at the scene of the crime. Ooh. Or or gearing up so I can cleanse some, <laughs> you know, some peeps with some light. I'd be down with that powder. as a light bringer. I totally am on board with that. Yeah. Yeah. See? So are you telling me that you'll just let the city burn in and not try and save it? No, no, the city's already burned. I'm just here to, you know. <laughs> Why would you ask me a question like that? I'm not placing myself there. No, I would totally liberate it. I would protect it and wield light against the darkness. Absolutely. Not at all costs. Just, not at all costs? No, no, because I would not I sacrifice. I would not sacrifice all the people to, you know, to like save the Alien City, if that's even what our true motives were. Yeah, There's light, light. There's always a way. You gotta gotta find something. Wow. To... So, Carfin teaser. Can we just? I pause at a specific moment now. Mister Bach, in Discord. Shout out to Mister Bach. Yeah, dropped an image. Uh, I think it was like after the last podcast, mm -hmm. and the image literally was like, "Hey, remember this creature from when we did the cleric video?" And they approached the end of the graveyard, and that big beast thing popped up out the ground. Look, it's laying right there. Zoom and hits. It's literally laying right there in front of us, and I missed it. The spines on the back. Its head is the big round thing, and the light stuff is coming from inside of it. That's literally a corrupt creature just laying there at the base of this shattered bridge or walkway. So there's that. Um, from this image already, you see the, the pulsing buds of corruption spread all over the place, right? Now, now here's the thing. What's the corruption coming from? Because if the blood magic is what turned the people undead, and I mean, it's is that the same as corruption? Or does a corruption come from something different? For example, 
if you continue to watch this, the imagery will show you something else. Um, up in the sky, anybody remember that motherfucking moon up there? There's, I mean, you know what I wonder right off the rip? I actually wonder if there's just a chance that that this is like a little bit of foreshadowing or or maybe you're going back in time and kind of showing you what happened in time. It, how crazy would it be if like one of the harbingers just shattered right through that moon, like bro hit it, shattered right through it, infused it with corruption and then landed upon Carfin somewhere around here and spread more corruption. And the harbingers are like all over the, or the harbinger just let loose all this. So you've got undead and, Corruption. It's Yo, just a thought, but what? I, I, I had an idea. What if it's uh -huh. stuck up there? What if one of the harbingers actually stuck up in the moon? And at some point, it'll reawaken and come down, and we have to verse a harbinger. That's a DLC or an expansion right there, man. Ooh. That's a right there. That's just the whole expansion right I mean, there. It's right? still glowing, so you never know. Same like, color. Like if they land and it's glowing around the landing spot, it, might, it could. Could have landed up there. Possible. Damn, man. There's a lot in this little video. Now, keep it in mind, next month we're... And Armored Cell hinted at this right before in our pre-show. He was like, you know, he clipped it from their YouTube video, and it basically said it would be a great opportunity to get some of our lore people on potentially next uh, live stream, developer live Ooh. stream. So... Yeah, it would be, right? I mean, if we're just going to get, like, potentially a walkthrough of Carfin, what a perfect opportunity to, like, talk about lore. And I kind of have a feeling we might get that. Seems likely. Maybe not a ton, but you'll get something. I do want to point out, when they ask for questions, even if they don't put out the questions on the stream itself, mm -hmm. they do still answer those questions in the, like, the after stream and the, in the um, questionnaire, like, on their forums. Mm -hmm. So do ask questions when it comes up for the dev, uh, dev discussions and, and um, the streams itself. Because mm -hmm. you, you answer, could, your questions could still be answered even if it's not on the stream. Yeah, exactly. It's a good point, too, is look, look at the places you post it because you might get an answer. They just may not share it on their live stream. Yeah. And even in the next month, they're not going to go back and talk about it. They're focusing on what they're doing that month. Who... You had an idea about this statue. Now, there's statues. There's two different statue variations that I was able to pull. There's this one, which has got like, it uh, looks like almost like a mage sort of pointing forward and a smaller, younger child or, you know, mentee of some sort or student of some sort that's there. And then this mage is sort of pointing off. And then you get the other statue, which they showcase specifically on their live stream. And it's that twirling up into a body so from like the hip uh, waistline area it sort of spirals into stone leading down and you had an interesting idea what was like your thoughts around that well i remember um Stephen roughly mentioning that this person um had um gone to godhood uh, godhood or come, became a god at some point or something along those lines so it really seems like she could be ascending in this sort of frame here so that's I sort of asked, asked a few questions like how many other people have ascended to godhood and does that mean all gods were mortal at one point see this yeah. is this is it's a really one with the essence or something like that yes because what's the reference to the gods right yeah 
the, the reference to the gods is that they are right closest in alignment with the essence yeah well is that just the same thing as mastery of the essence because steven states in that blurb that i read the essence right here he's talking about the Pyrian elves helped establish and taught the humans how to master the essence and how to master magic so is part of the mastery also ascension interesting and is the way of ascension mastering the essence and the use of magic and what are sort of like the the elements of that that's that's an interesting point and i love the idea something i love to toy around with myself is the idea of is there a way to ascend and evolve higher enough to where now you're sort of at godhood level mm. you know is that just a more evolved state of being? I mean, we look at Star Trek. I mean, that's like what the Q essentially are. Like, if you don't know this about Star Trek lore, essentially, what's the end game for humans in, in the universe of Star Trek? Well, in Star Trek, the end game is, is that you you could potentially become like a Q. You evolve high enough to a point where you have Q-like, you know, capability, which is like even the power to create and destroy just like that yeah you know now yeah, well, that on. could be the cycle too like what the, the gods aren't always existing but at some point some play like some npcs or whatever can ascend to that point and that's how we got the uh the phoenix like the the god of creation and that's how they created the portal is because someone ascended to that point and they was able to make that portal yeah, and then there, it's almost that, like a yeah. Doctor Who thing or something, right? Is you yeah. kind of have maybe people reincarnated in a way, which I mean, I think that would be a pretty cool idea as right. well. Yeah, with Phoenix being like reborn as a new host, I guess I don't know to that part of the essence. Oh man, see, and this is this this is a perfect side side step to like talk about. With this conversation we're having about Carfin and with this conversation we're happening, remember the souls are like a gateway or conduit. Do you remember that? So then this, this begs the question in my mind, are avatars of the Phoenix, the Phoenix itself, is that like a person who embodies that and then becomes this avatar? Well, if you're the conduit or gateway, gateway to what? that's another great question. And then that calls into the inner discussions around the idea of like the void and where the others and the, the ancients are at and how they're able to commune with Atrax and how those are able to commune with, I believe Loria Lamont. Okay. Because if I'm not mistaken, if we were to go in there, I've got to look through it, but in the wreckage of Carfin, Loria Lamont's a powerful mage. Um, there's a discussion point. I need to go and look through it. But it has to do with before uh, the apocalypse, actually. And I'll probably skim through and look for that particular point somewhere in here. But I feel that there was a reference to the ancients again. And I think that maybe that was like the unknown force that like taught them in the same way that King Atrax communed with the the ancients and they yeah. taught him the way of immortality but it wasn't like it was a corrupt form it wasn't the true form of immortality it was the way that creates undeath yeah I, I feel like the blood magic might be like a step down from corruption in a sense because like once again like we've got another uh step towards the undead right that she used blood magic and now it was some 
is undead around that area. And then if you go to King Atrax, he did the same thing, but he was big. He became the very first lich. Mm-hmm. So he was became a better form of undead. So I feel like corruption might be a higher form of blood magic. So what you're telling me is that I should invest <laughs> all my time and energy into blood magic first. <laughs> um, is that what he's telling you? Is this like a Stevenism thing? Oh, maybe. Are you, you, are you getting some whispers in your ears? Like I, I am. In the dark? I'm, I'm hearing the dark. that uh, the ancient, if the ancients can do what the gods can do, maybe I can be a gateway to the ancients. Oh my gosh, dude. I don't, the, the, the way I look at this, I feel like this is kind of a parallel to the Star Wars, like light and dark side of the force where you do have like at some point, you know, you can surrender to the light side of the force and move on and then become like a guiding spirit, like say Obi-Wan in the original Star Wars. Or mm-hmm. you can like get into like a corrupted, like, you know, race yeah yeah corrupted race like you know what happened with the emperor right he went from like was essentially like you know humanoid to something that was like a creature right almost in the end because he was so corrupted and so i kind of see that like as maybe a parallel to how they're handling the assumption piece is that if you are ascending you are you know you're embracing like this non-corrupted part of the essence and then if you are trying to maybe i kind of almost look at it like a fast track if you're trying to fast track to like ultimate power that's why you know the others like had this they're like you know we want to get we want to start like you know handing this over and building up you know vera with this you know our own army so we're gonna fast track people and maybe that route was blood magic Right. Um, I think I'm, I'm actually I think that makes sense. Um, but it was more like sacrificial than symbiotic. Um, and that's where I kind of see, at least right now, I, I see that balance is that it, you know, just like using Carfin as an example, like how did they defeat the evil? Well, they defeated the evil by essentially sacrificing a bunch of innocent people. And then it became this den of corruption. Um, I really hope that um the essence is more like neutral like essence and corruption the same thing but they're just like a reflection of yourself oh my god of course you would yeah that's like light side dark side right so like the the, the, the force is always just the force but depending on how you use it depending on how it reflects yeah, at the, you, it was, it was yeah light and dark side but it was always about balance right yep. yeah i mean i don't know if i'm i'm totally there with that yet herman salt because i feel I'll like I'll bring you there. <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> oh my god, Armored Cell's like I think he's starting to like win the win the uh favor of some of the people in chat who are like Armored Cell speaks truth and I'm like, "Oh no, this is how it starts." Yeah, exactly. One whisper okay, in the ear. Who drank the Kool-Aid? Who drank <laughs> the Kool-Aid? But uh but yeah, I I think yeah, with the with this piece I almost feel like again, right? It's I think of those like movies about magic where you talk about like somebody that's practiced for years and really kind of focuses their attention on learning magic the proper way, because it's like a way to kind of be like more pure. And then you have other ones that are honestly looking for a quick fix. And then that's kind of where they find corruption. Cause it's almost like they don't no longer have the balance within themselves 
it becomes like, okay, I'm just going to let, you know, the power, I'm just going to take in as much power as I can. And then that power overwhelms, changes, corrupts you. And that's kind of how I see it. Like at this point, seeing how they're doing that. So it's not necessarily as much about balance as it is about intent um, and method uh, as well. And maybe that's why the ancients were so against like bringing this to the mortal realm is because they knew that they maybe weren't ready for it. But the others were like, we don't care. We, you know, we need to do something um, here. And I don't know. I just, I get that vibe. I don't know, like, no, like facts or anything to reference, but I kind of get that vibe from all that we've heard so far about the ancients and the others. It was more about like gaining power and, you know, raising an army versus like some more pure intense by like finding balance and yeah yeah providing goodness into the world yeah that's the thing too is like one of the things i wonder about is this yeah it it doesn't say i'm looking over I, i looked over as we were sitting here talking and it says it says uh you know that laria she listened to advice from an unknown origin that she was able to communicate with and yeah, you were going to have to discover what that is. And, and so it's like, is that like, is that like in the void? And is there a potential that that wasn't even the ancients? Yeah. You know, I feel like if it was the ancients, wouldn't they reference it? I mean, it's, that's a good question. Like they'll be like, Hey, it's the ancients again. But now it's like from an unknown like it's, they want you to think about it, you know. They want to be like, wait, is it the ancients or is it something else? They want to leave that door open. They don't want to close mm-hmm. off to you. Yeah, I mean, they want us to actually discover that ourselves too. Like think yeah. about like a, like back to like scale like of good to evil. Maybe it's like not someone that's on the other side, but like further towards the, you know, you know, what I mean? like further across from the middle on the balance, and that they sort of offered it. Yeah. So it's not right in the like maybe they were like okay uh seven of us are good but the seventh person is like eh but we'll bring him on the outside so that these are sort of questions we should be asking as well because like if they're not going to blatantly say what it is then they you got to ask a question that they obviously want us to ask more questions about what it could be you know so, what it, oh go ahead no no i was just going to start rambling well, you, you said go. to think about what it could be, and I was like thinking yeah. about that, and I was like, you know, in it was the D and D campaign, but how much of the D and D campaign they did is actually, or sorry, Pathfinder campaign is actually mm-hmm. reflective of what's going to be there, and I feel like it's pretty safe to say that it is. So then, if you think about that, like what led them in the campaign to go to the Tower of Carfin was that they had already completed killing the Lich's body, King Atrax, right? So there was a statement there that made me wonder. This, you can only assume after having recovered uh, from the Lich's body a number of notes detailing what the Dean, that's Laura Lamont, was attempting to accomplish at the Tower. So it makes me wonder if somewhere along the way in the main story, 
in ashes down the road. We're going to be like led to the dungeon. You know, there's going to be, who knows if we're going to learn about the ley lines and relics and things of that nature or artifacts or whatever that relate to remember it was a great vault there in, in Fallow's hold. So if we go to Fallow's hold and along the way, we're going to get some story that takes us to have to defeat the Lich. Then we go from him. Are we going to like pick up notes and those notes are going to detail us going there. So how does he have the notes on him? If that is something that's going to potentially actually be in the story, it really makes me wonder if the Lich potentially could have these notes because maybe he was the source of what she was, you know, like going to be doing there because he decided that. And then now sort of taught like another version or was it something that was communicated to him that he made notes of because he's now undead and already has like this undead army, i.e. the war of the undying, in my opinion. And so now it's like kind of like savvy to the fact that there's another form of undeath that's been taught by way of question mark. Who is it? The ancients. Did he get this information from the ancients he's communed with? Or is it something different? It's so hard to know, but it's very intriguing. Um, I love the idea of different types of undeath. And remember, in that the in the showcase of the cleric, the developers went towards that bridge, and they all were really hesitant about the water. And in that Tower of Carfin rests upon that river, and that river, um, they said the Tower of Carfin eventual event actually trickled out through the riverlands and because of the rivers and the undead began to form around these rivers. And you'll learn more about that during the story arc. Again, the story arc being how we're going to figure out like who was this unknown person or entity that Laurie was talking to. Why is it that, how did it trickle out into the lands? Why would undead form up around the rivers? Like, how is this, transmitted almost it's almost like this disease that's transmitted to like life or even life that's been dead is what i'm wondering about and that's very interesting right that it can sort of spread through the land it almost reminds me of like like the wheel of times the blight you know and the blight Mm -hmm. and how it spreads and how it can kind of infect and i love the idea of like you know, infection and there's corruption and ashes. There's like the blight and will of time. You know, I've got stuff in my world that kind of does that too. And it's very interesting to play upon this idea of uh, something that sort sort of can catalyze blank, you know, whether that's like undeath or madness or, or whatever it is, it's always really interesting. And the origin of that is really interesting too. And something tells me, that the Tower of Carfin thing, because um, we haven't heard that King Atrax is undeath, tr- transmits in a way like this, like through the land, right? Yeah. This is was taught to King Atrax, and there, and he he got his people to sort of do it too. You know what I'm saying? So whatever that ritual was and or is, is a um is sort of like a mode of creating undeath that is unique to whatever Atrax has, right? And it sounds to me, at least so far, that whatever's going on here is different in a way that it almost seems 
it can spread through the land around so, there. I've got a, I've, during your whole speech, I, I did oh. have a, a good thought. So um, the main difference between um, Lamont and um, King Atrax is King Atrax had relics, right? True. So that, that could have been a more of a catalyst for him, like for him to withhold all that energy within, within himself. And if he's got the notes on him, he could have been the one trying to talk to her and trying to do the same thing. Mm. But because she didn't have the relics, she couldn't hold as much of that essence, corruption, mm. or what, whatever that blood magic is within it. Ooh, that's an interesting idea to play on the relics, especially. So, like, ancients teach Atrax, mm-hmm. but they can't bring Atrax to their level. So, right. And then Atrax tries to bring Lamont to his level, but once again, he can't do that. Mm. So that which I'm, I'm thinking it's like stages. Yeah. So they can't really bring him up to the same level, but they can sort of show him the path, if, if you get what I mean. Yeah. But I, I do think the relics definitely was a helping point for King Atrax. And because she didn't have it, this is probably a side effect or adverse effect of the uh, process that she was trying to do. It's almost like, like a more deteriorated version, yeah. 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 Like it's it's a it's like a Walmart version of what Ajax was trying to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I, th- but, I think it would be cool. Like, I think we're definitely going to find out a lot more about it. She's she'll she'll probably feel like if this is the case, she'd probably be like, "This is my fault," or. But now I have to stay here because um, because it's my responsibility or something, and we have to try and take her out. Like she might be bound to that place now. Like maybe she's a center. Maybe it's all radiating from her. Man, dude, and I look back at that guy Beric Pulsifer, right? Volunteered his essence to expend in the ritual as a blood sacrifice, right? So, man, it just makes me really wonder about. This is that thing, right? That particular point, I go, okay, so blood magic. <laughs> but you're also talking about his his essence, like his life essence. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going, I really wonder if like his essence in the ritual, like did something with his blood and caused, you know what I mean? It makes me really curious about the blood magic aspect and what their play on that's going to even be. And how many people died in that ritual overall? Like how many people were sacrificed? It was it their blood, man? Is it literally just their blood? Because remember, it was like dripping from the level above in one of the the dialogue mm-hmm. bits here in, in the ex, uh, explanation of the pools of blood. And then like in in one of the levels above. Like, I feel like she's probably, like, up at the top. I think she's the big baddie at the top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, the lower lower down you go, like, the more the blood just pooled and pooled and pooled. And I'm wondering if the blood, like, so many sacrifices occurred that, like, so much blood saturated this tower and then just, like, seeped into the ground and, like, spread into, like, the, the land and spread. You know, the blood itself was so tainted that when it made its way to the river, the river water just got tainted, too. And then it makes you wonder, like, well, how far does that flow? Like, how far is the reach of how corrupt and tainted the land becomes as a result? 
Makes and how wonder. does that how does that affect the raid itself? If there's all this blood there, like does that is yeah. it like a uh, constant uh, like DP like constant um, poison effect on you? So like Dude. the further you go up, the more intense it is. So you need like a cleric that's actually going to be able to help like get rid of this poison for you. Like I, I really think it's going to be clerics are definitely going to be needed up there, not for just for healing, but for like uh, purification. And said here, you see, before entering a large explosive and destructive event has occurred near the top of the tower, you don't know what and cannot tell from this distance as you navigate into the first level. You discover a number of animated statues missing from their alcoves. They assault the party. It's like the, the Harry Potter, like, stone statue fight things. It's like, yeah. remember, we got to see those. It's almost like it's breathing life into inanimate objects, isn't it? Like, it's it not does. just undead. It's like also mm -hmm. statues, it's everything what caused the explosion like something hit it was an explosion from something different than the rituals what do you got ideas on here um i'm almost like i was just kind of having a thought as you guys were talking about this is like is blood magic only bad um and the only reason i say that is because when we talk about clerics right they have I'm the in. power of life or death true yeah so we're i mean we're talking about different like elements that and and i think we potentially might be getting a little more on the magic possibly with this update too around carfin mm -hmm. but it makes me wonder like what kinds of schools of magic they have i mean you obviously have the elements mm -hmm. but is life magic really blood magic and you can do like a good kind of blood magic and then you mm. can do a more corrupted kind of blood magic which is like maybe i again i'm kind of going back to my like star wars references here but you know life magic is like a healing kind of thing it's good mm. but then when when somebody passes passes this threshold right and becomes like you know gone from this world goes mm -hmm. to the void or what have you like pulling them out of it that becomes like a corrupted form because somehow they're tainted by like passing through the void i know i just kind of mm -hmm. was thinking about that as you guys were talking about it because maybe that was where you get this intent to help people all of a sudden kind of morphing into this really horrible like massacre of people is because you know, they took on too much or they tried to do too much and it ended up creating this vacuum, right? And in order to balance things out, they had to sacrifice a lot of people who ended up becoming undead as opposed to being, like, saved. Yeah. I have a question yeah. for you. So if, if a archetype was able to use, or not archetype, a uh, class was able to use uh, blood magic, which, which class do you think it would be? Would it be, like, um, priest summoner, or would it be mage summoner? Because like, I think the, the cleric it's... would be the base archetype that would use blood. I magic. think so. And then depending on what kind of, so I mean, I think this is this is where it gets a little. I, I mean, I think I see where you're going with this because mm. since this Tower of Carfin was very mage focused, you would think okay, blood magic has got to be like a mage thing. Yeah, but I don't know if it is like the power to raise something from the dead or breathe life into stone makes me wonder mm. maybe it's a like cleric like mage things. thing i don't know 
Yeah. That's why it's been like blood sacrifices. So like if you yeah. summon it and you can use its uh, blood or health as a means to cast these spells, that's what I, that's where I was sort of going with. What if blood magic is actually necromancy in the game? That's what yeah, I'm thinking. Potentially. I mean, yeah. I was thinking like think about it. or something like well, that. With the logic that you were explaining, right? And what we talked about with like this seeping into the ground and the sacrifice of people and how it, they turned them undead. I'm going blood magic. And I mean, well, this was also back then, right? Who's to say that cleric and healing magic wasn't just one of the many forms of of the magi at the time, right? Right, because these specializations we have when we come back through, I mean, who knows what their classes and like schools of training were previously. Yeah, it makes me really want to know like what the different types of magic is. Because mm-hmm. obviously we've seen the pre-spells and they're all pretty light based. Yeah. yeah. So maybe it's like again, this two sides of the same coin yeah. is you have like Life magic is like light and blood magic is kind of the flip side. But I don't know. It just feels like, you know, maybe there is this kind of yin and yang where you have like magic that could go either way. And then depending on what it is, they call it something different. Mm-hmm. Eventually. Yeah. I, I do think we should be watching for October for that, that uh, class. I feel, mm-hmm. I feel like that class will be, uh, will definitely be October. October, October Halloween, Halloween time frame too. Yeah. That's right. a good point. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I'm like, I'm I'm like actually kind of with your logic on this and that, and it makes a lot of sense to me too that that if because you know even if you think about the cleric right and even let's say it is just let's say blood magic is like a you know a, a mage magi thing from back at the university, uh, well then to me that's just like okay well you're just augmenting the cleric then. And that's how you maybe get it is because it has to do with the life and death and the life force and i.e. essence of of life. Right. Yeah, because when you talked about when we talk about what's his face, right? Uh, Yeah, no, the other guy, the guy that was sacrificed, said that used his essence um... and then did that to the blood. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that sounds very pulsifer. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like, I mean, if you were to say uh, yin and yang of, of a cleric in life and death, I'm thinking, well, that sounds like the opposite side of life to me. And, and it said that he sacrificed himself, right? Like he wasn't... He volunteered, yeah. Yeah, so he knew what he was doing. Yeah. They, they, they both knew what they were doing. It's not like she um, tied him up and, and just like yep. got rid of him. Yeah. yeah it was he's... like, this is something we need to try because this is our last hope sort of thing. Yeah, he was like, take me if it'll, if it'll yeah. like take, if it'll save our city and our people, you know, try it on me and let's see how it goes. Jeez, yeah. man. I do think it's King Atrax if he's got the notes. I feel, I feel I'm, like I'm there with you. Feels like a which setup. That, which means that he can, he can go into your head and fucking say, like, do like dark whispers and stuff. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> That means you don't even need to see him. You can just have dialogue with him if you have like if you're Dude. too corrupted or something. That's scary. Because he was he was leader of the Torn Empire, right? Which was the they were half elf and human, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes. The, right? Yeah. And so 
And, and rem- I have, I, here's, here's what I believe. And I don't have solid evidence to support this, but in the APOC, uh, during the APOC lore, during the apocalypse, there were a lot of references to the war of the undying. Right. And that was something that occurred in the past. Okay. And my thoughts are still that King Atrax and that whole situation is what catalyzed undeath and the war in the undying. Right. And I think the war of the undying with King Atrax happened in the past for the people. And then when you get closer to apocalypse, I feel like maybe kind of what was going on here is like the people of the world clearly overcame the war of the undying. And my thoughts are, well, I don't have the means, and this is just speculation. I don't have the means to have the the same army I once did. The people of mine who turned, that I was able to turn to undeath are gone. They were lost in the war of the undying. And so now I see an opportunity in, in this, you know, moment and it's like bleak hour to find someone to manipulate who's desperate to save their people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm going to do what the ancients did to me and find a way to now somehow enslave them willingly. Like, it's no speculation because it's law, but it like, is speculation. you got to try and find all the breadcrumbs and see yeah. how it fits together. Right. Mm-hmm. But we like, that's why they, as I said, you got to try and ask these questions and try and work out how this is coming across. And it's the more you talk about it, the more it makes sense law wise. And I think we're probably not far off it. I think we're close to it. Yeah. And then perfect example. Like, so John's like, how's, you know, how is she alive this whole time? And I'm like, how's King Atrax still alive? Right. <laughs> My thoughts are she's the King Atrax of, of her version of undeath. Whereas King, she's not lich though, but that might also the the red eyes might also Mm. be like something that has to do with this form of undeath. Like King Atrax may not be as a lich, the walking, shambling, you know, creatures like his people were, and just similarly, she may not be the walking. And again, this is just an idea; it's just speculation. Like if she's the one to sort of like you know, do this to her people in, in the hopes of saving them, her red eyes and whatever could just be like her, you know, how she was changed by it as opposed to like how they were changed by it and could be the same for like Atrax and, and his, his people. I still feel like her core, like her essence itself is like an overflowing battery. And that's why she might not be dead. Right. Whereas mm. King Atrax has absorbed that energy and, increase those vessels so large it doesn't fire so that's so that once again i still feel like the all the stuff mm. that's out flowing from carthen is coming from her she is the centralized catalyst of this thing so i feel like if we kill mm. her i feel like the mm. or even down her or, or get rid of her or whatever right i feel like the there might be a cleansing effect upon land even a little bit yeah, and, and similarly, it makes you wonder if if you were to kill the lich, if it would do the same to his his version of undead. It's kind of what I've wondered about. Here's another topic with with the time we've got today. I, I mean, there are so many different things that are are in here, like the explosion at the top. You've got the crystal halls, um, the sacrificial chamber. Now, I feel like we've hit on 
a pretty big component here, but they're the sacrificial chamber said the floor contains a large summoning and sacrifice room summoning room. And it says the mages here originally used this as a teleport nexus. Teleport nexus. Okay. The hell does that mean? Exactly. What teleport where across the world or. They they said it it was, or like was, was a a teleport, like television. Mm -hmm. It's now a summoning. Yeah. What did they summon? Who did they summon? Yeah, and there's an elevator to go to the top of this thing, too. How's that elevator working? Probably arcane, but... Yeah, and it's places where they could scry as well. Scry. Too. Mm-hmm. And I, one of the things I just... I Maybe <laughs> there... I'm, like, trying to push this a little too much, but I, when I think of, a, of an observatory, I also think of, like, looking at celestial bodies, and I think of that moon. And I'm right. wondering if that, like, mm-hmm. you know... Mm-hmm. Like as an observatory, like I just wondering why. I mean, maybe they there isn't any correlation here, but it just felt like when we were talking about, um, you know, an observatory. I just think of like celestial bodies they, as they well. They did mention depending on the location and the time, mm-hmm. you can get different uh, constellations and different effects so like yes for yeah. anyone that's trying to do constellations you might want to go up there and see what you can get dude the this there's like so oh my god this is like such a big topic for me because this is why i'm saying the carfin discussion has has freaking avenues that we can explore in whole freaking episodes right and i'm like i want to do this I want to I want to do some speculation. I want to like go down these pathways. I think it's a perfect time to do it because as we lead up to this like showcase, what better time than to talk about all this and the different avenues we can explore because Daedalus is bringing up a point that's a whole freaking podcast episode alone. Okay, where you go talking about the moons, you talk about the scrying, you talk about remember the Ori concept art? We, we haven't even touched on that and like the Vec and their towers and the star calling and all that. That's one thing. But remember that we had this concept art by Ryan Richmond way back in the day. And it was like at the top of a, of a tower. Okay. And the artwork for that is, is pretty, it, it looks similar to the tower type that we could be looking at here. Are you talking about constellations? Like all these planets and stuff? The planetary stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. And, if we know that there's auguries, right? Auguries and scrying that's happening. They said wizards would likely gather here to discuss the state of the world and to perform their auguries as well as their scrying, right? This area at the top is the observatory. Okay. That's the fifth floor, the observatory. Okay. And that's also what went boom, if I'm not mistaken. If the fifth is the top floor, question mark. Okay. And they said what is known as the eye of a Ayla at the top. According to your understanding, this was the roof of the tower. It acted as a conduit for magic to amplify their spells effects across the land. Oh, really? Here is where you assume, according to the letters received off the body of the lich, the right-hand man of Lamont, that the sacrificial altar for the most powerful. Now, remember, the, the, the words were, you assume, according to that that's who the lich is, right? The sacrificial altar 
at the top is for the most powerful blood magic ever seen on the face of Era. And up to this day, it was done just a few days earlier. Okay. So is if the fifth floor is indeed the top floor, and it is indeed used as an observatory, but also a way to scry and auguries, and what are auguries? Those are being able to tell the future, interpretation of omens, right? Being able to work in auger. So if this is all like at the top, that leaves a lot of questions as to what exactly it was capable of. And here's a question I've got for you guys. Is this supposed to be represented in that if what's on the fifth floor is actually answering the question I had two weeks ago when we talked about this in the Ashes Post Show. When we look at the top of the entryway into the Tower of Carfin at the floor ground level, above it is a circle. And that circle has a triangle in it and then three orbs in that circle. Okay, at the top, at the peak of the triangle, there's a large circle coming down to the middle in the center of the triangle is another circle. And then at the bottom is a smaller circle. Well, last I counted, there's three moons we know of. And one of them is busted up in there, in the sky. Mm. Indeed, one is red, is at the red circle in the middle, and there's two other ones that represent the moon. I don't know, man. But if indeed at the top there's an observatory, then maybe that's what that reference is. What's the significance? Go again. All the moons are aligned as well. They They're, are. Like we've always talked about being the planets being aligned and something happening. So like mm -hmm. just that mere fact alone. <sighs> Makes you wonder, man. Like what's mm -hmm. what would that what's the significance of the alignment? Is the red one identified there beforehand? Was it red before? Was it not? Is it of something to come? Because if it is of an omen, that would be kind of tying in fate. And then do we want to get into conversations around the goddess of fate? There's a lot of there's a lot of like different pathways we can go here. Yeah. And and yeah, how much of this like is something that was like potentially faded that they knew about? Is it tie into that? I don't know, man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually it. Daedalus. Yeah, that one. Yep. Yeah, and so and then you know what's really interesting about that particular image. I'm gonna link it in chat for everybody is this one right here now as i'm looking at this how interesting my friends anybody else find what's interesting about this image only one of them i can see has three moons and it's the one to the left mm -hmm. of the sun I mean, is that Sanctus? Uh, not Sanctus. That's that's Vera then. So it makes you wonder which one's like Sanctus. And yeah, curious. Most curious indeed. There's so many things we could be talking about with this. It's such a fun thing to speculate around. But that might end up being a conversation for um, another day. And judging by how many Sundays we will have until the end of the month, we've got at least three more.
before what I believe is the next developer live stream, which I believe will be on March 31st, which is a Friday. So gentlemen, sounds like we've got a couple of things we can talk about. That symbol, sure planetary bodies, blood magic. And that's at least two. And then the third one could have to do with relics and stuff, because we could go back to the good old undeath discussion with King Atrax and the ley lines and Fallow's Hold. And maybe we could dig up into that one, too, and see if we can find some connections. Hmm. Interesting. I like that idea. I'm down if you guys are. Always. That's three damn shows. To piggyback right on off of this and see what our little brains can put together. And I challenge all of you all that are listening or watching to prepare yourselves to do the same because we might just find some ties into our good old discussion today that we didn't pick up on before because you know we've done that more than once on this show. It's been a good time when we get to go back and do a little uh, retro, retroactive uh, <laughs> like exploration. Gentlemen, any final thoughts specifically about Tower of Carfin today that you can think about that you want to pick pick up on chat about? Uh, no, I'm I'm good. I think it was good discussion today. Oh yeah, it was a very good look. It was very good speculating today. I loved it. Yeah, same. And I, you know what, man, we got the three here. I think out of all the people we've ever had on the show, uh, the where we have the three of us here who are probably the bigger ones into the lore out of all of our Pathfinder homies. Not to say that they don't find the lore interesting but i think out of all of us pathfinders these are we have the three on right now who are probably as big into lore as any pathfinder on the show has ever been so there i'm gonna leave it at that gentlemen it's always a pleasure everybody who is here today always a pleasure put on your thinker hats the conversations will be continuing next week so um yeah who knows which one it'll be um i kind of feel like blood magic is one i kind of want to tie back into later so that'll be like our full circle actually yeah anyway gentlemen why don't you shout out your domains where people can find you when you're not on this podcast dataless uh, you can find me on twitter at the ashen herald and on youtube youtube.com slash the ashen herald and armored cell and you can find me on twitch.tv forward slash armored cell and friends much love everybody this is always a good time but uh in closing got to remind all of you that you know you don't have to be on the round table conversation here to be a pathfinder you literally are all of you here in the chat all of you listening uh into the podcast wherever it is and all of you watching on youtube later much love to all of you to intrepid studios and until next week friends live your best lives walk in the light and have a great night everybody we'll be seeing you again Real soon. Bye for now. Take care, everybody. Later, guys. Later, guys.